0: G'day, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news, workers' stories, social justice issues. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Radio in Melbourne with the financial support of the Community Radio Federation. We come to you on the Community Radio Network through your local community radio. On June 1st, the first day of winter, the Fair Work Commission handed down the annual minimum wages case. We hear from workers why it isn't enough and more about the big end of town's guzzling ways. Melbourne University is ranked as one of the top universities in Australia, but is this on the back of workers who have wages stagnation and work overload? In the latest enterprise bargaining, the National Tertiary Education Union, the NTU) members, have put in place indefinite bans as an incentive for management to improve wages and conditions. We speak with Steve Adams, Melbourne NTU Branch Secretary, for an update. But first, some workers' news. Contracted workers at Blue Scopes Port Kembla Steelworks went on a three-day strike last week Around 60 South Coast workers employed by Downer Group's Engineering, Construction and Maintenance Division have taken this action for a better pay deal. The Downers workers are mainly employed as electricians at Blue Scopes Steelworks. The strike involved more than 300 Downer employees working on Newcastle's light rail and includes an indefinite ban on overtime. Workers are after a 3% pay increase after agreeing to a two-year pay freeze and reduction in other conditions in the last agreement in 2015. The 3% rise is in line with what Downer agreed to pay its workers in Victoria and Queensland. Negotiations on a new deal started in February and the company has offered a 2.25% pay rise but refused to bring back the conditions lost during the pay freeze. Downer Group's before-tax profit last financial year rose 35% to $36.7 million and made a before-tax profit last year. Downer's engineering, construction and maintenance chief, Sergio Sinarari, was paid almost $500,000 in bonuses. These profits come on the back of workers During a two-year pay freeze reductions to their site allowances and lower redundancy benefits, said the ETU's New South Wales Secretary, Dave McKinley. These workers are the reason profits are surging, yet they've been denied a fair deal that sees them receive the benefit of their hard work. An ACT crane driver faces manslaughter charges over the death of a fellow worker, Herman Holtz, 62, who was killed on August 4, 2016, after an incident involving a mobile crane on the University of Canberra Hospital construction site in Bruce. The crane driver, who was moving an 11-ton generator at the time of the incident, has been charged with Mr Holtz's manslaughter. Reckless conduct charges have also been laid against the crane driver's employer, subcontractor RAR Cranes, and its crane Dogman, along with principal contractor Multiplex, its site manager, site supervisor, and site safety officer. The charges span the first two categories of the Work Health and Safety Act with maximum penalties of $3 million in fines for corporations a $600,000 fine and five-years jail for duty holders and a $300,000 fine and five-years jail for individuals. WorkSafe HCT Commissioner Greg Jones said the range of charges reflect the shared responsibilities under the Work Health and Safety Act from the boardroom to the workers conducting the activity. All workers, employers, their directors and managers, both on site and in the office, must ensure that safety is the number one priority, he said. The Construction Union and Unions ACT, in a joint statement, said the territory was the most dangerous jurisdiction for construction workers in the nation, with an average of 42 construction workers injured every month. There were more than 600 serious injuries in the Canberra construction sector in 2016, the year of the fatality, the statement said. CFMEU ACT Secretary Jason O'Mara said, No construction worker chooses to work in an unsafe environment. Construction workers are forced to work unsafely through economic fear over losing their jobs and the failure of employers to provide a safe environment, Mr O'Mara said. When construction companies cut corners to save time and money, construction workers pay with their lives and livelihoods. It is an ongoing tragedy that construction workers are often put in a no-win situation of being either forced to work unsafely or speak up and lose their job. There is some disquiet over the recent mandatory sentencing regime coming out of Victoria which would give mandatory minimum sentences for assaulting emergency services workers. The law change follows... Cabinet's decision to upgrade the classification of any attack on an emergency worker to a Category 1 offence, the same level as murder and rape, which receives a custodial sentence for anyone found guilty. The Government will also grant extra powers to the Director of Public Prosecutions to appeal against exceptions to prison time given to offenders under the Special Reasons provisions. Assaulting paramedics, police, firefighters or prison staff will be classified as a Category 1 offence. Effects of drugs and alcohol will no longer be an excuse to avoid prison for a number of offences. Courts will give less weight to a defendant's life circumstances when sentencing. Psychosocial immaturity of 18 to 21-year-olds also will no longer be a reason to avoid prison time. The issue of assaults on paramedics as a workplace safety issue came to the fore when two women in a violent assault on paramedics avoided jail because of special circumstances. Human rights lawyer Rob Starry pointed out that statistics have shown that mandatory sentencing does not deter crime. Union insiders expressed concern regarding the protections given to police that may distort justice and infringe on citizens' rights to demonstrate. Victoria recently increased the arsenal for police that include military-style semi-automatic guns, pepper ball guns and rubber bullet grenades under the pretext to confront violent demonstrations, street battles and prison uprisings. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Here to
1: announce that the Fair Work Commission has just awarded a percentage increase of 3.5% for all minimum wage workers. That equates to an increase of $24.30 a week or $1,264.72 a year. Um, That means, because of the Australian Trade Union movement, that minimum wage workers and all award workers, 2.3 million workers will see an increase to their wages, a significant increase to their wages. In fact, it's the largest percentage increase that the Commission has awarded It will mean a 1.6% real increase in their wages uh, from the 1st of July this year. And this is because of every single union member across the country who fought for this increase. Who fought for the increase for minimum wage workers. It will mean $1,200 extra in full-time workers' pockets at least a year because of the trade union movement. So we would like to... um, uh, We would like to announce that today, but we'd also like to say this. It is a step forward towards a living wage, but it's not a living wage. We need in our country for no full-time worker to live in poverty. We used to have in our country a living wage. We won it. We were the first country, the first working people in the world to win a living wage 110 years ago. And that concept is a very simple one, that no person or their family should Be full-time and live in poverty. This is a step forward today. It's a good step forward, and it's money in people's pockets because the Australian unions went out and fought for it, but it's not enough. It's a step towards a living wage, but we will not rest. We will keep fighting until Australian workers, all Australian workers, have a living wage and no full-time workers living in poverty.
0: Thank you very much. You're listening to Stick Together, Union News, Workers' Stories on the Community Radio Network. That was Sally McManus. Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, the ACTU, outside the Fair Work Commission on June 1st after the Commission handed down their minimum wages decision for 2018. Here is a worker's response to the decision. So you were outside the uh, Fair Work Commission today when they uh, did the uh, minimum wages announcement. What were your reactions to it, Jaffee?
2: Um... Uh, the reaction news was like very disappointed and very sad. Uh, just to know that, uh, uh, Australia haven't improved. They didn't improve a lot because to be honest, it's not enough for, especially for the families because I'm a single man. And, uh, to be honest, uh, it's not enough money for, uh, for us because all the prices going up in Australia, um, gas, petrol, uh, accommodation, everything's going up. So basically, so it's not enough. It was just like peanuts.
0: Yeah, uh, you you work at a at a popcorn factory, is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's pretty interesting. Um, so, uh, what are people? Uh, what were you hoping for?
2: Well, I was expecting is uh, uh, something better because, um, well, I thought that if if they increase a little bit more salary, then I'm gonna be able to um, to do more things and and pay more bills. But uh, unfortunately, it was not like that, you know. Uh, unfortunately, so we still have to to wait for more <laughs> mm. because
0: it's not enough. So yeah. are, you, are you a permanent worker or are you a... Yeah, ca- I'm a yeah? yeah,
2: I'm a full-time
0: worker. Okay, you're a full-time worker. And uh, this, this uh, wage increase was supposed to be making uh, full-time workers able to n- not live on the breadline, right? You're having difficulty making ends meet?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um yeah this this are uh, three three point five percent. Uh to be honest it's like like I said, like I said before it's, it's, it was on a peanuts. So it's, uh, pay, uh paying the bills for the uh, families is not is not that, it's not enough. It's nothing, you know, like I said to the media a well while ago, so the the leaders are from the uh fair commission, they should wear a shoes. Because if they were assured, they sh- they're gonna feel like we we feel like employees, which which is uh, uh is Yeah, it's it's not enough.
0: I spoke to Don Sutherland, former chief industrial officer for the AMWU, the Australian Manufacturing Workers Union, for his take on the decision. Well, there was a sixty-four cents increase per hour for the lowest paid workers coming out of the Fair Work Commission on Friday. What are your thoughts?
3: Well, I think my first thought is that uh, there is a very interesting backdrop to that, and I would like to come back to the uh, decision uh, shortly. But we need to keep in mind that at the beginning of last week, the other big announcement was the Financial Review's annual report on how the very rich are going. That is, its report on the... Uh, wealth status of the 200 rich listers and your listeners might be interested to know and to share about with everybody who uh, they know that the 200 rich listers in the previous 12 months added $49.6 billion to their collective wealth. Full 21% increase. We're talking about wealth there, not uh, wages and other incomes. But of course, wealth. Uh, starts from having increases in income, no matter what form it is, uh, except that there's 200 or so, probably a little, somewhat less than 1% of the population, who are scoring extremely well, uh, probably in the income stakes as well as the wealth stakes. At the same time, it was confirmed that our Prime Minister is the highest-paid country leader in the Western developed countries at $528,000 a year. Now, that's about 10 times the average wage. Uh, He scored that $527,000 plus some extras uh, out of a 2% pay rise awarded by the Remuneration Tribunal, which is their special version of the annual wage review panel that is the Fair Work Commission.
0: You should compare that. It's believed that lowest paid workers will get $1,200 more per year out of this increase of $0.64 per hour.
3: Yep, you can compare that with what it was, which was a $10,000 pay jump for the Prime Minister. Uh, So you're right.
0: He's on Struggle Street, that man.
3: Yeah, it's really on Struggle struggle Street, and it puts him in a very, very comfortable position to cast judgment on the efforts of unions to win pay increases for all Australian workers. But just to complete my thoughts on the backdrop, well, we also learn that the chief executives of the top 100 companies on the Australian Stock Exchange got a jump of 3.5% in both 2015, 16 and 2016 and 17. So they're doing bloody well also. Mixed up with all this, we learned something also have reinforced for us about the associated inequality of power, not just inequality in incomes and wealth. When we learned that uh, the AMWU delegates who are part of the leadership of the struggle at Longford with UGL-Exxon travelled to the United States, to Dallas, to attend the Exxon shareholders meeting, where they were expecting and they hoped that they would be able to ask questions of the CEO and the board about their dispute. Well, they were excluded. The board, uh, in their in their exercise of power, naked power, banned them from being able to attend, uh, go into the meeting, even though they would have had the credentials to do so, and to ask and get answers to questions. So there we have naked power protecting itself from those who have engaged in a struggle against it.
0: Now, this... Uh, uh Uh, wage increase, slight wage increase that came out of the Fair Work Commission on Friday. The ACTU's uh, representations to that commission was about all full-time working people in Australia should have a living wage. Uh, I don't think it's been achieved. Uh, Speaking to some workers after the event, I was told that uh, to, quote, uh, that they thought it was peanuts and it's not enough. Uh, Sally McManus uh, said that uh, if uh, the ACTU hadn't made its submissions, that uh, it would have been even less, but agreed that it wasn't enough. So what's? where do you stand on this?
3: Well, I think both of those statements are correct. Firstly, it's not enough to uh, uh, to get to the position of a living wage. Uh, The $50 a week claim of the ACTU would have been a big, if it was achieved, would have been a much bigger step towards a living wage. But if I remember correctly, to get to a living wage level for workers on the minimum rates, we would have to win a $72 claim.
1: Stick Stick together. Stick together.
0: Together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together.
4: Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community
0: Radio. The National Tertiary Education Union is in negotiation for wages and conditions at Melbourne University at the moment. Australian universities have been a battlefield of rampant casualisation. Assaults on academic freedom and wages stagnation, ever since education became one of Australia's biggest exports. In this round of EBA negotiations at one of Australia's top universities, Melbourne University, the NTEU workers have placed a series of indefinite bans. Steve Adams, NTEU Melbourne University branch secretary, gives us an update.
4: Have been bargaining uh, for some 17 months, which is a very, very long time to be at the bargaining table. I think the, the staff here are uh, just growing tired of the speed of negotiations, and also don't feel that their concerns about what the university proposed have, have been properly addressed. Uh,
0: Melbourne University regularly reports that it's amongst the highest. Revenue of Australian universities with the lowest reported staff costs as a percentage of revenue. Now, they probably are dancing around with glee at this, but of course that means that uh, the employees, the workers that actually bring this money in, uh, actually have stagnant wages.
4: Yes, yes, that is is correct. Look... um yeah, and I think what it also goes to, oh, I look at those figures and I, I think about workload implications because um, if they're not paying staff to do this work, and let's face it, Melbourne is now, I think, ranked as you know, one of the leading institutions in Australia, and uh, to get there, they've got there on the back of the, the fine work of their staff. And so, uh, yeah, if you look, at, I think the uh, it was the lowest in Victoria. It was somewhere at like 48%, I think, was the uh, percentage of revenue to um, staff costs. And yet yeah, the, the workload implications for that. I mean, to achieve that, as I said, a lot of hard work from staff. And I don't think the staff are being acknowledged or rewarded uh, for that work by the university.
0: So uh, what does it mean in terms of pay levels? What's going on?
4: We have not had a pay rise now for over 12 months since our last incremental increase as part of our last agreement. So we had a a percentage increase every year over the life of the agreement. So it's been over 12 months now since the last. So, yeah, you've got stagnating wages. I know at members' meetings I've talked to a lot of staff who say they've had increased workloads uh, their performance expectations keep rising and they feel they deserve a wage rise.
0: Now the pay uh, that hasn't been offered is one issue but also uh, there's this thing about uh, splitting the current single agreement into two separate agreements. Can you explain what's going on there?
4: Uh, I should say they took our old agreement and basically binned it. Normally what we would do is we'd take the current agreement And, you know, both parties usually want to make some improvements and changes to it, but they've completely rewritten it, so their proposed agreement was split into two, so one for professional staff and one for academic staff. The motivations they've stated is that uh, the two cohorts, uh, you know, sort of vastly different needs and wants, and um, they wanted to come up with some sort of document that reflected those. The reality is most of the clauses that will exist uh, Share they're common amongst both groups. The vast majority, I'd say, close to ninety percent. There will be certain clauses and conditions pertaining to academic staff and some to professional staff, but we feel this can all exist and has existed quite happily in the in a single agreement. And the university in this t- in this period, if you look during the life of the old agreement, this university has um, you know perform very, very well, you would say. I don't think the having a single agreement has hindered them in any way whatsoever. So as for motivations for the two agreement, we feel that um, they, they just want to divide us. So by splitting the staff, you're splitting their bargaining power for a staff. And really, we think the only reason they wish to... With us into two groups, is so they can treat us differently. So offer different wages and conditions.
0: Now, let's go to the bands.
4: Look, with, with the bands, what we, we thought we had a, uh, a half day stop work mm. um, in, in May, uh, which was uh, very successful and very well attended. So we sent a strong message and we got some positive movement. We felt from that and we sort of said look we want to see negotiations progress we don't feel they they have so what we thought is we would put some sort of ongoing bans on the university and some of those bans we'll touch on that really I think look at where enter into the goodwill section of what people perform here so it's things like working overtime, working outside of hours, which, um, you know, looking at your smartphone and answering emails at 8 o'clock at night and, you know, taking phone calls first thing in the morning and, and dealing with work outside of your paid hours. So a lot of those bands are around sort of what I would term is um, gifts, goodwill gifts to management. And what we're sending the message is, you know, the bucket of goodwill is well and truly dried up here. And we hope to, you know, we're hoping that these bands will um, put some some pressure on making university management um, reconsider.
0: There's a little bit, uh, yeah, there's a, a little one which is uh, for academic staff, work related to student experience surveys. This is administrative work.
4: It, it is. Largely, but this would be with the academics when it comes back to them these these surveys results. They've got to um, put that back to the, the student cohort to tell them what the results were and what they're going to do to you know somehow alter the um, student experience.
0: Yeah, which is a, a kind of an administrative appraisal process. Yeah, which is interesting because that's something that uh, I presume. Uh, a lot of uh, academics would find uh, irksome.
4: I think they find, you know, we had the business improvement program four years ago, where approximately six hundred people being made redundant across the professional staff cohorts, and this has led to academics having to take up a lot of the administrative duties and administrative work that used to be carried out by our professional staff. So, yes, I would think um, academic staff will be very pleased to give up some of these administrative tasks they're to The
0: discussions are in progress.
4: Instead of movement, what I'd say is that the discussions are more positive. Um, some of the issues we've tried to address previously, you know, we, we just get the word impasse, new status. Now the language is more you know, trying to get to, to some sort of agreement, which is
0: what we have at the table to do. That's it for today's Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Until next time, stick together.